0: Happy New Year, and we're off to a cold start in 2022. We saw it coming. It has arrived, as you heard in uh, the news a moment ago. uh, Gearing up for the NHL's winter classic at Target Field tonight and could go down as the coldest outdoor game in NHL history. And we have uh, a reporter who's going to be covering Craig Schrepp for a producer, He's in on the morning news, Monday through Friday here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. He is going to be on the ground at Target Field, and uh, we'll get a report and a scene setter on that a little bit later on in the program. Also coming up later today, uh, Steve Carney is going to take us outdoors, and uh, we're uh, in, in prime time. Right is fishing. That is for sure. So we'll get an update on that from Steve Mark Manny, head boys coach, and over hockey, uh, the Huskies playing well again here this season. So Mark Manny's going to join us. Mark has Fuller covers Golden Gopher basketball for the Star Tribune, and the Gophers had a very good run in the non-conference season. They've already played two Big Ten games. They split with Michigan State and had that big win at Michigan. Now they jump into the Big Ten schedule uh, very quickly. They were supposed to play Illinois at the Barn on Sunday, but that game has been moved to Tuesday. So Marcus Fuller scheduled to join at 4.35. And then, as we mentioned, uh, the hammer from Target Field as we gear up for the NHL's winter class, following the news at 5. And then uh, John Millay, media specialist, with the Minnesota State High School League scheduled to join. So uh, look forward to uh, visiting with all those folks as we move through the day here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Uh, there, there's been a great deal of uh, talk about the weather and the winter classic. And throughout the course of the week, sitting in for Henry Lake earlier in the week and then Mike Max late in the week, um, not my cup of tea. I'm probably not going to sit out in the cold. I don't have tickets. And, and one of the reasons I, I didn't try to get tickets was this idea, it could be really cold. It's New Year's Day in Minnesota, and I while I have some gear and, and I do have snow pants and I do have a heavy winter coat, um, probably not for me. Now, if it was a day in the 20s pushing 30 degrees, I might consider it, but they have moved the game to the evening. Generally, the NHL's Winter Classic is uh, is uh, a noon start, and it was on NBC, but uh, tonight, 6 o'clock, our time. And I know in some of the warm-weather cities, uh, the thought was, it's better to move it to the evening, because anybody who's had a backyard rink or skated outside, Knows that even in December, January, and February, when the sun is beating down on the ice, even on a cooler day, it has an impact. And I think they've learned that as well. So now they just figure it's a whole lot easier to not play this game until nightfall, even though we're we're getting brutally cold weather here in the Upper Midwest. And one one of the things is uh, the wind chill warnings. And wind chill advisories we've seen now for several days, and we, we've got an update on the map where the wind chill warning is surrounding the Twin Cities. So it just goes to show that the heat island is a is a real impact. The the heat island is a real deal, and. Here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, a wind chill advisory. But for instance, a wind chill warning not that far out of the Twin Cities, in, including Wright County. Uh, the wind chill warning, and, and here are the details on that for areas just north and then northwest, west, and even south of the Twin Cities. For example, Rochester is under a wind chill warning. And that wind chill warning runs from 6 this evening until 10 a.m. Sunday, wind chills as low as 40 below, and this includes portions of northwest Wisconsin, central and east-central Minnesota, and it runs from 6 tonight until 10 on Sunday. And the dangerous wind chills could cause frostbite and exposed skin in as little as 10 minutes, so it is certainly uh, a dangerous weather situation. Now here in the heart of the Twin Cities area, um, and and this is pretty much Hennepin and Ramsey and Washington counties. Even Anoka County is is under that warning, but in the heart of the Twin Cities area, a, including Target Field, there is a wind chill advisory in effect, and that starts at six and runs until ten tomorrow morning. Wind chills as low as 35 below zero. And the dangerously cold wind chills could cause frostbite and exposed skin as little as 10 minutes. So it's still a dangerous weather situation. So once again, if you're headed to Target Field, by all means, uh, take care. It is 3.13 here at News Talk, 830-WCCO. We appreciate you tuning in today. Let's get you up to date on the college football scoreboard while we have a moment. Uh, and right now... Iowa leading Kentucky, 17-13, under two to go in the game. But Kentucky has a first and goal at the six-yard line. That's at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. And it looks like Kentucky is going to grab the lead late. But they've given Iowa time. Here are some of the finals already today in the Las Vegas Bowl all right. On Thursday night, Wisconsin beat Arizona State 20-13. to Michigan State beat Pittsburgh 31-20 to in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. In the Dukes Mayo Bowl, South Carolina beat North Carolina 38-21. Uh, the South Carolina coach took a mayo bath after the game. Not so sure about that. And Purdue beat Tennessee 48-45 in overtime. That may have been the best game of the bowl season so far at uh, the Music City Bowl. And then on Friday, Middle Tennessee beat Toledo, 31-24. Uh, to 24. Uh, Coastal Carolina beat Northern Illinois, 47-41. to 41. Of course, the uh, college football playoff games, a couple of beatdowns. Alabama beat Cincinnati, and Georgia rolled over Michigan. Georgia and Alabama meet for all the marbles, just as everyone expected. Uh, on this uh, New Year's Day, Let's get you up to date on uh, what what's happening in all those games today. And Oklahoma State beat Notre Dame thirty-one to twenty-eight, or leads Notre Dame thirty-one to twenty-eight. That's had the Fiesta Bowl out in the Valley of the Sun, as we mentioned. Kentucky's gone ahead of Iowa twenty to seventeen, late in the fourth. Arkansas beat Penn State. 24-10 to 10 in the Outback Bowl. Uh, coming up later on, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, Ohio State, and Utah. And then uh, tonight, the Sugar Bowl, Baylor against Ole Miss. Well, there you go. Uh, there still is one big bowl game, and that's the Tax Act Texas Bowl on Tuesday, LSU and Kansas State. And I mean big uh, teams you recognize and then, of course, the title game a week from Monday night. And that'll be in Indianapolis at Lucas Hoyle Stadium, Georgia, and Alabama. So there you go. You're up to date on college football. Quick break. We'll have more here on a Saturday. News Talk, 830 WCCO. Happy New Year, Steve Thompson, producer Kerry Clatt, Mark Fry in the newsroom. Mark Fry a little busy rooting on his Hawkeyes as they try and rally. And pull out a win over Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. Kentucky went on a drive, got a touchdown a moment ago. Still a minute to go in the game down there in Orlando. Uh, We're scheduled to talk to Mark later in the hour. Hopefully he's not too grumpy if I wasn't able to pull out the victory. Um, Right now we're joined by Stephen Clark, who joins us from Florida, where it's a whole lot warmer than it is here in Minnesota. Uh, Stephen from Space Flight Now com Stephen, Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year, Steve.
0: Yeah, um, we're below zero here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, our official temp, I'll see if I can get an update for you. Our official air temp, five below, and uh, the actual wind chill, 22 below zero. I would assume it's a little warmer than that. It is.
2: I'm actually calling from uh, Texas visiting family for the holidays, but uh, it is definitely warmer in Texas than it is below zero up there in Minnesota. It's uh, around 75 here right now.
0: Yeah, uh, much better. And I know you spend a lot of time at Kennedy Space Center and uh, keep an eye on what's happening there. And it has been a busy year indeed but before we take a look back at 2021 and look ahead to 2022 when it comes to space flight really the huge story right now in the headline at your site spaceflight now.com uh the webb telescope on its way to a spot a million miles away from earth and so far so good in its travels
2: right yeah the james webb space telescope um, uh, really a, a once in a generation uh space mission. Uh, It's the biggest telescope ever sent up into space, launched on uh, Christmas morning a week ago today. And it's completed um, uh, its first week of its mission uh, of uh, deploying. Uh, This this telescope uh, had to be folded up like an origami to fit inside the rocket that it launched on, uh, a European rocket uh, from down in South America. And it's going through this step-by-step procedure to begin unfurling in space. So, um, after the successful launch, it deployed a, a solar array to start generating power. It's uh, now in the process of deploying its, uh, a sun shield, which is the size of a tennis court, and that will allow the telescope itself to be in permanent shadow so there's no interference from light and also to begin the process of, of cooling down to uh, super cold temperatures. And uh, that's necessary to complete the science mission, which involves uh, detecting the faint uh very faint thermal heat or infrared energy from the first galaxies in the universe uh, more than 13 billion years ago and this uh, instrument is, is finely tuned to be able to detect the first light from the first galaxies which is um, uh, a kind of an era that uh, astronomers call the cosmic dark ages because we've never seen anything from this uh, this period of time right after the formation of the universe So very exciting science mission um, ahead of web, but it has to get through these critical steps first.
0: Yeah, and the reason it's going a million miles or four times the distance of the moon away uh, from planet Earth is is to get into a good cold spot. And I understand it'll be partially shielded by the Earth and by the sun as it, uh, you know, orbits the solar system.
2: Right, yeah, yeah. That that the sunshield that I mentioned, um, it, it uh, actually unfurled to its full shape uh, just yesterday, late, very late on New Year's Eve, and that was actually uh, the riskiest part of the mission, uh, to be able to deploy that giant sail, uh, which is going to allow um, the telescope, the mirrors of the telescope. If you imagine the light will hit the mirror, and then the mirror bounces the light into some detectors deep in the heart of the spacecraft to uh, to make these images those mirrors and those detectors have to be uh, chilled to almost 400 degrees below zero. And, uh, to do that, they have to be permanently shaded from the sun at all times throughout the next uh, 10 year mission. And the sun shield, uh, is made of these uh, five layers of Kapton. It's like, almost like a plastic, very, very flimsy. And they have these guides that, uh, pull the, pull the, uh, sun shield out like a kite very, very slowly, uh, Uh, Imagine like pushing—it's like pushing a piece of string along a table. You know, it's very um, indeterministic as you deploy it. NASA's used to deploying things that are are rigid in space, like on hinges. So um, deploying this very flimsy apparatus, uh, uh, nearly a million miles away from Earth, all by remote control, uh, is a very delicate process, and uh, was really kind of nail-biting yesterday as as it went down. But uh, it did occur yesterday, and uh, uh, now they're in the process of actually kind of tensioning the sun shield and tightening it up to get that perfect shape to uh, shadow the telescope for its science mission. And uh, uh, so far, so good. This is probably one of the most complex things NASA has ever done in space, at least for an unmanned mission and un- an unpiloted mission. I mean, you know, the, the Apollo moon landings and the International Space Station aside, this is certainly uh, more complicated uh, by a factor of uh, three or four, uh, just based on the technical complexity, according to NASA, of of landing a rover on Mars. So, this is a whole different league.
0: Yeah, it, it really is extraordinary, and and the distance from the Earth, a million miles away, is is they do want it away from you know any potential interference because the earth in itself reflects the the sun's energy and mm-hmm. um the the moon does the same thing so in in reading about this i understand that's part of the reason they want it so far away
2: hey, you're you're exactly right steve like um so this is a, a kind of a successor to the hubble space telescope uh which has been up for 31 years now and it's uh, flying very close to earth just a few hundred miles up uh, but it's actually uh, the, that telescope is looking at the universe in visible light, the light that the human eye can see. Um, but in infrared, you have to cool the telescope very, very cold to get it away sure. from any sort of um, you know uh, sunlight or anything that can reflect heat or or light from the sun, like the Earth or the Moon. So it has to be all out there on its own, and that's the reason they selected yeah. this location, a million miles from Earth. But the drawback, <laughs> the drawback of that is the Hubble Space Telescope. Uh, was repaired by uh, astronauts on the space shuttle uh, several times and upgraded. That's the reason it's lasted so long. And um, uh, the the James Webb Space Telescope, once it gets out there, it's going to be outside the reach, at least for any foreseeable future of any sort of repair job that astronauts can do.
0: Stephen Clark joining us from SpaceFlightNow.com. Stephen, uh, quickly, before we run out of time, uh, the highlights from 2021, in your opinion, Uh, in the year in space flight? There were a lot of them.
2: Yeah, that's a great question I've I've been thinking about, and uh, uh, I think at least three things come to mind right off the bat, and that would be um, uh, SpaceX's advancement with the uh, Starship program uh, down in South Texas, this giant new fully reusable rocket that SpaceX is developing uh, to eventually carry people to uh, the moon and Mars, uh, we saw some major advancements in that this year. They were able to land it for the first time and uh, getting ready to build out. A, get the rocket's already built, but they're getting ready to finish the launch pad for a um, an orbital flight of that giant rocket, the biggest rocket ever built uh, sometime later this year. Another thing that comes to mind um, – is the landing of the NASA Perseverance rover on Mars uh, back in February, and it carried um, a little drone, like a little mini helicopter, that actually flew, is still flying. It's flown, I think, over 15 times now uh, through the Martian atmosphere, the first uh, aircraft to fly on another planet. History history was made there. That opens up a whole new way of exploring other worlds. And then the other thing this year that comes to mind is civilians in space, um, in September, uh, SpaceX launched a crew of uh, four non-professional astronauts uh, into orbit, the first time uh, any crew has flown into orbit without any, uh, uh, you know, professional astronaut training. And then we saw, of course, um, your, your listeners may recall the launch of uh, uh, Jeff Bezos and uh, Richard Branson into space, uh, solar orbital space, the just to the edge of space, over the summer, and uh, of course. Followed by very, very well uh, widely reported flights of um, of uh, William Shatner and Michael Strahan as well later in the year. So the three things that come to mind right off the bat is uh, the advancement of the of the big new rocket that SpaceX is developing, uh, the rover and the drone on Mars, and then a whole new era of civilian space flight.
0: Yeah, in 2022, uh, we we expect to see even more as you alluded to starship hasn't done an orbital mission we certainly could see that as soon as uh, the first quarter of 2022 if all goes well we're officially into january but i know they are chomping at the bit to at least do this launch and i would expect no, no matter how that goes if it's a success or a failure that they would try to launch again so we could see a lot of starship activity in 2022
2: yeah, indeed. I think that's one story that uh, maybe one of the big stories in both 2021 and 2022 is, uh, you know, SpaceX is beginning to get ready. They're already well along and getting ready for the first orbital launch of this giant 40-story uh, tall rocket called the Starship from Texas. And uh, hopefully that'll happen in a couple of months, maybe, uh, pending uh, uh, the final approval from the FAA and getting regulatory approval for that and also um, – Uh, finishing up the launch pad, which is nearing completion down there in South Texas. And uh, so that's a big thing looking ahead in 2022. Another one um, may be the uh, the results from the James Webb Space Telescope. If the rest of the deployments go well over the next few weeks and it begins taking images uh, in the spring, could be a whole new, you know, it could be a big surprise on what the James Webb Webb Space Telescope can see, um, you know, billions of years ago. And uh, also looking at uh, other planets uh, around other stars to see which ones may be uh, conducive to supporting life. That's uh, a very exciting prospect this year as well.
0: Stephen Clark joining us from spaceflightnow. Uh, dot com. A couple other things to watch in twenty twenty two that come to mind. Number one, NASA's big space launch system has been right. delayed. Uh, it it, it seems like the delays have piled up, the the bills have piled up. This has become a very expensive, uh, disposable rocket system. Uh, When will that fly? And then beyond that, we're still waiting for Boeing and and to get their their Starliner capsule uh, a test flight and then ultimately start ferrying astronauts up to the International Space Station. And we really don't have a timeline yet, do we?
2: For the for the Starliner, uh, no, I think your, your guess is probably as good as mine as, as when astronauts will fly on that uh, spacecraft. Um, you know, SpaceX has been flying astronauts to the space station on a uh, a similar, you know, a different design, but a similar capability that Boeing's working on for two um, almost two years now. Uh, they launched their first astronauts in May 2020. And Boeing, I think will be lucky to do it this year uh i mean it may be it may be toward the end of the year at the at the best case when that uh, sure. happens with Boeing they've flown um, an unpiloted test flight without astronauts that back in twenty nineteen that did not go well uh, it, uh due to software issues and um, they were on the cusp of launching a second unpiloted flight back in August and they had uh, Issues with valves in the spacecraft. They had to roll the spacecraft back into the hangar and uh, take it off the rocket and do a bunch of inspections and repairs. Um, so, you know, maybe toward the middle of the year, they may be back in a in a position where they can try an unpiloted flight to the space station to do a final demonstration before NASA signs off uh, putting astronauts on the capsule on on the following mission. Regarding uh, the space launch system, the the big uh, disposable rocket you mentioned that NASA is developing to carry uh, crew back into deep space, it seems like that has a better chance maybe despite the long delays and cost overruns. Right now it looks like that has a chance of happening uh, before Starliner carries astronauts maybe maybe sometime uh, this spring, uh, perhaps best case uh, with that test flight.
0: Yeah, and a a final thought on that. Uh, There's been a lot said and written that – um, you know, as cobbled together parts from the the, the space shuttle era. Uh, it's it's disposable. It's very expensive. You have to wonder, and I, I know NASA has funding from Congress for a while, but boy, Stephen, it, it just seems like with, with the growing capability of SpaceX and potentially other companies, why wouldn't NASA just say, "Well, we're we're gonna." We're going to scrap this and sign a contract with Elon Musk and have him do the work.
2: I think I think uh, at some point that's a very strong possibility of happening. Um, the The space launch system has a lot of political support because it supports a lot of uh, jobs uh, in a lot of congressional districts, and that's a big way to win congressional support. Um, you know, it has support from both sides of the political spectrum because. Representatives, Democrats, and Republicans have jobs in their districts that depend on the program so I think I don't I don't foresee it having a sudden and uh, you know a sudden death as a program, but um, I think the writing uh, is on is starting to be written on the wall right now and, and certainly will be uh, uh, very obvious uh, once SpaceX uh, can fly the starship successfully and uh, pull off a string of a li- of a successful flights to orbit. And, uh, you know, and at low cost, much lower cost, um, you know, a couple of orders of magnitude lower cost than a space launch system flight. And with similar, if not better, uh, lift capability as well. So I think you're onto something there. I think that's something that's um, widely known throughout the space industry that, you know, the the life expectancy of the space launch system, this big giant NASA rocket, which, uh, you know, may have had... Um, a clear, a clearer purpose a decade ago when it was first being uh, proposed, but a lot changes in a decade in the space business, and you know the delays certainly haven't helped um, as it nears its first flight.
0: Mm. Around the
2: same time as the Starship from Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX also nears a first flight.
0: Yeah, and, and just the flat out cost is breathtaking. Uh, billions and billions of dollars have been spent, and that's to this point to just build one rocket. Uh, right, Steve. Yeah, uh, Stephen. Always good to visit with you. Uh, certainly, I, I uh, check in on your website regularly. Uh, I'm a big fan. Happy New Year to you, and hopefully we can visit again soon.
2: Looking forward to it. Happy New
0: Year. All right, there he is, Stephen Clark. Space flight now dot com is the website. Three thirty-five, twenty-five minutes now in front of four. We are late to the weather break. We will talk more weather. We'll talk winter classic. Mark Fry from our newsroom uh, was out in the streets talking to uh, fans headed for the the big game tonight at Target Field, and uh, even ran into some Blues fans. We'll have that, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk to the folks at the Weather Service about that wind chill advisory for the heart of the metro. Many areas in a wind chill warning. Tonight through tomorrow morning, we'll get into all of that here on News Talk. eight three zero O W WCCO. Now, there's no truer statement than maybe tonight at Target Field. Might be a little chilly driving the Zamboni for the NHL's Winter Classic. It's been a dream for Wild fans since, uh, really, the beginning. There's been talks that when is Minnesota going to get the Winter Classic and finally it's happening tonight target field they'll drop the puck just after six the wild and the blues mark fry joins us from the newsroom and mark this really is a big story and a big time or a long time coming and they've been preparing target field now for weeks
1: yeah, and good. well, thanks for having me join you, Steve. It's good to talk with you again, and I was just actually watching uh, the final of the Iowa Hawkeye Bowl game in, in Orlando. It's like 85 degrees there today, so uh, a little different up here today, but you're right. They've been prepping this for several weeks, actually, probably, you know, since they ever announced this, but uh, finally got the ice ready to go. The Wild got on there last night, and um, I think maybe there were a couple uh, issues on the ice, but it sounds like it's ready to go, and the fans are ready to go, too.
0: Yeah, and it's funny about IAS because we had a backyard rink for years when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, we had a backyard rink when when I was a very young kid in St. Paul, just east of Lake Como on Maryland Avenue. My my dad would flood a rink, and they'd have friends over, and uh, all the neighborhood kids would play. And then when we moved to Champlin to be closer to my dad's teaching job, we started the tradition up here, and, and we'd have a backyard rink. And when it got real, real cold like this, five below, we'd still be out there and play. Don't get me wrong. But the ice got really chippy yeah. when, it, when it gets really hard and cold. The ice was always better in the teens or 20s. And and I would expect during the game tonight, now I know they, they've got state-of-the-art refrigeration, and these people know what they're doing. But I would expect the ice to be a bit of a problem in these bitter-cold temps tonight. We'll see.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting just to, I kind of, I followed along at one of the press conferences where they talked about making the ice, and one of the things they said is sometimes they actually have to warm it up a little bit if it is too cold, so they have their heating elements all around the, the rink and stuff like that. It's very interesting. You think, you know, not much to, goes into making ice, but when it's for a world-class event for world-class athletes, you gotta, you gotta keep in mind their safety yep. and sort of just the integrity of the game, too.
0: Yeah, and and I would assume they're they're going to manage that real well because, like I say, I just remember when we were kids, it it, it would just get rock hard and and would chip up when when we were out there running around as as kids playing pond hockey in the backyard. So we'll see how that plays out. And another part of the story is you, you know that the NHL and the Wild in conjunction with the Minnesota Twins are going to have every possible. Uh, safety element for the fans to make sure that there are areas for people to get warm etc but that certainly is part of the story mark
1: it really is and I was talking with one of the wild team physicians the other day just about you know what are they watching for in the athletes because uh, you know typically they're inside you're in a controlled environment but uh, you know once you get outside and it's a whole different story, but obviously the Wild and the Blues players have heated elements on the benches. But uh, a lot of the concern was about the fans just sitting in one spot, really not having the movement like the players do outside. And uh, the fans, a couple of fans I talked to outside said they're ready to go, and they have uh, three layers of clothing on, two layers of gloves, hand warmers, feet warmers, all that good stuff, Steve, that I think we've all been to a few cold games in our lives, but uh, nothing when it's like 20 below zero on a wind chill.
0: Well, and you, you think not so much about uh, Minnesota Wild fans where, where we get used to this sort of thing for bursts in December, January, and February in particular, but if fans came to town from St. Louis, and, and I saw a tweet from you where you bumped in a, into a couple of Blues fans.
1: Right, and they were telling me about uh, one winter classic, I believe when the the Blues hosted the Blackhawks maybe five or six years ago. I can't remember exactly what year that was, but they said it was about 46 degrees in that game, and they thought it was chilly then.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 46 degrees. We're we're washing our cars in the driveway. Right, we're out on
1: patios enjoying our lunch (laughs) when it's 46 degrees.
0: Absolutely, outdoor lunch is certainly in play on a 46-degree day. Uh, in 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 January, but, like I say, I, I know all those safety measures are in place and I, I kind of joked during the week when I was sitting in for Henry Lake earlier and then later in the week, Mike Max, that, that I doubt there there's a rental heater within 100 miles that probably hasn't been brought in uh, to help in the concourses, et cetera. Because y- you know the Twins have the ballpark ready for cool weather games, uh, particularly early, late March, April, May here in the Twin Cities or or or, or some of those late fall games. But uh, this is a whole different story for sure.
1: Well, it makes you wonder, too, if the Twins were to make a World Series or a late playoff run, just oh, how yeah. chilly it could get in the late fall, too, at Target Field. If uh, Obviously, there would be tons of fans and stuff going on and uh, things happening. But it could get pretty chilly for those postseason games. You've got to get there first, unfortunately. But obviously, uh, that's something to keep in mind, too, for the future, hopefully, success of the Twins.
0: Yeah, I also think it'll be very interesting to see how TNT portrays it on television because you know television loves these extreme weather events. For instance, tomorrow night, Lambeau Field and Green Bay, the Packers and the Vikings, you know, they're, they're going to play up the frozen tundra. I know Kirk Cousins on uh, the, the COVID-19 list and won't be available. But, but television loves these type of events because, you know, for other parts of the country, they see this and say, this is unbelievable. It, it really does make great television.
1: Well, really, the Winter Classic is made for TV. Just some of the, you know, the shots they get are just breathtaking, and a lot of the scenery is just so great to see on TV. And I understand the fans wanted to be there, but I don't know, Steve, if I could find a ticket cheap enough that would get me in Target Field tonight. I just, I don't know if I could do it. If unless it was just uh, unbelievable seat, I don't think I'm going to go uh, sit in section 333 of Target Field and watch a, watch a hockey game tonight.
0: Yeah, and for those people willing to do it, uh, good luck to right. you. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll be watching from my couch tonight. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mark, uh, good to visit with you, and my condolences to the Hawkeyes. That was a tough oh, loss. Oh man,
1: good riddance. Ready to be done with that season. I think it's just it's so frustrating. But hey, it looked like they had nice weather, so we'll give them that.
0: Yeah, yeah. For all those folks that made the trip down to Orlando, uh, Mark Fry from our newsroom. Thanks, Mark.
1: Yeah, thank you, Steve.
0: Quick break, we'll come back, we'll talk to the folks at uh, the National Weather Service about the wind chill advisory for the heart of the Twin Cities, and then that wind chill warning that goes into effect at six and continues until ten. Then we'll get a brief warm-up and then right back into the deep freeze later in the week. Caleb Grunsky is uh, scheduled to join us from the Weather Service in Shana has and we'll get to that in a moment. Here on News Talk, E30 W C C O chilly new year's day our temp hanging in there at five below our wind chill 22 below and uh, tonight and tomorrow morning we're on kind of an island a wind chill advisory uh, surrounded by a wind chill warning and to talk about that caleb grunsky from the national weather service in Hansen and caleb thanks for the time and a happy new year
3: no problem happy new year to you too
0: yeah thanks so much for joining us uh cold snap on new year's day not uncommon this is not unusual uh kind of a uh, garden variety uh cold front moves in puts us below zero for a couple of days and then we'll bounce back pretty quickly earlier in the week
3: yeah that's true uh to, tonight is basically going to be the last of the cold snap uh the really cold weather um we do have windshield a windshield warning and uh, in effect for most of Western and Central Minnesota County, and some of Southern Minnesota too, until uh, Sunday morning, and then a wind chill advisory for basically the metro and the rest of our, our forecast area um, until also Sunday or also Sunday morning. And we're looking at windchill values um, in the advisory between negative 25 and negative 35 below zero, and then in the warning, uh, chills below 35 below zero. Uh, not going to be very nice if you're going to be outside.
0: Yeah, for sure. So it's for the fans at the Winter Classic. They're certainly going to give it a go. But uh, we, we see a relatively quick warm-up, and then later in the week, a relatively quick cool-down.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll warm-up as a, a warm front passes through um, on Monday, warm up Monday into Tuesday, looking like, uh, for Monday's highs, we're looking at the uh, end of the 20s for highs, so much different than this weekend. And then Tuesday we warm up even a little bit more into the low 30s potentially. But then uh, by Tuesday or Tuesday night into Wednesday, another cold front passes through and we're back down into the single digits and low teens by Wednesday afternoon. And then again back towards zero and below zero Thursday. So a little bit of a roller coaster of pattern right now.
0: Yeah, in and. In- I I know you, you get out more than about uh, a, a week. It's really hard to tell, but you know people are concerned in these parts about you know a polar vortex settling in. Do, do you expect this this pattern to continue? Which which in, in all my time born and raised here, pretty typical. You know it'll it'll get it'll get cold for a while, then then we'll bounce back and it'll get cold again. Uh, do, do you expect this pattern to continue?
3: Yeah, uh, at least for the next couple of weeks, um, longer-range outlooks say that we are favored to be below normal for temperatures through at least mid-January, and then uh, you're right that this is this is normally the coldest time of year for us, so um, it's not unusual for us to, I mean, mid-January is when we bottom out, our average temperature is in the low 20s, which is a far cry from the negative 5 we're at today, but... Um, It is not unusual to have cold snaps like this throughout January.
0: All right. So uh, good news is if if you need to get that car cleaned up, you've got a couple of days to do it before it gets cold again later in the week. Well, Caleb, we appreciate the update on the weather, but once again, uh, the wind chill advisory for the heart of the metro area, but uh, some counties in the Twin Cities metro area, particularly north metro and west metro, uh, are in that wind chill warning uh, from 6 tonight until 10 tomorrow morning, and then uh, dramatically warmer by Monday. Happy New Year, Caleb, to you and uh, the crew at the Weather Service. Thank you very much. Happy New Year to you, too. All right, there he is, Caleb Grunsky joining us uh, from out there. We'll have all the news, we'll have all the weather. CBS Kids has started at 4 o'clock. Mark Fry, to follow and l- let's get you up to date real quick On uh, big day in college football as always on new year's day uh late in the fourth it looks like oklahoma state's going to beat notre dame 37 28 the score there at the fiesta bowl in arizona arkansas beat penn state at the outback bowl 24 to 10 tough day for the big 10 today kentucky late touchdown beats iowa 20 to 17 and then iowa got the ball. With, with time, and an interception ends it for Iowa. They they finished the year ten and four. Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, and I still think it's a shame that it's not available on over uh, the air TV. The the fact that uh, some of these games are are on cable and you got to pay is just a shame. And the Rose Bowl is one of those. Ohio State against Utah in on that one, and then uh, tonight the Sugar Bowl, Baylor. And Ole Miss. And then uh, the college football playoff has set. A couple of yawners yesterday in the college football playoff. Alabama, no trouble with Cincinnati. Uh, just kind of a workmanlike victory. They didn't blow them off the field score-wise. But uh, it was pretty clear who was going to win that football game. Alabama wins. And then Georgia demolishes Michigan down at the Orange Bowl in, in Miami Gardens. Florida, and I was a little bit surprised there were people ripping Hard Rock Stadium, the home of the Miami Dolphins, and the home of the Orange Bowl now every year because they built that roof over the stadium with a hole in, in the top. So if you do get a rain storm or a thunderstorm, which is pretty common in South Florida, uh, the fans stay dry, but the field is still in the elements. I think they did a great job remodeling that stadium. I, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty cool. But there were a couple of people on Twitter that ripped it. I, I completely disagree with that. And, of course, tomorrow night, huge game for the Vikings. They'll be at Lambeau Field without Kirk Cousins. He's on the COVID list. That was a huge talk on Friday and still is a big talk. Uh, Sean Mannion will be the starting quarterback. And Green Bay was favored by a, about a touchdown. Well, now that, that's jumped to a two-touchdown advantage. Uh, the game opened at six and a half. Uh, The Cousins news broke, and now it's Green Bay by 13, and the over-unders dropped to 42-and-a-half. The good news for the Vikings is it figures to be a weather game. Dalvin Cook has had success, and Dalvin Cook is back. Only chance, big game out of Dalvin. Sean Mannion doesn't turn it over, and the Minnesota defense – Turns over Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, and and wins the turnover battle, maybe a plus two, plus three, and they've got a shot at Lambeau on Sunday night. It is a long shot, I get it. I'm just trying to be positive to start the new year. It's doable, but it ain't going to be easy on Sunday night football. And the Vikes need a victory in their final two, and then a little help to get into the playoffs. All right, we got to run. Once again, we'll start uh, with the news at 4 uh, with uh, CBS, Mark Fry, in our newsroom. We'll have another update on that weather. That's a big topic today, obviously. And then we'll go outdoors with Steve Carney here on News Talk. 830-WCCO, Happy New Year.